Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome, everybody, to a Thursday edition of my independence report. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. You know... I, 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 our guest today, and we'll be talking him for the entire hour, but uh, I lost my earlier guest due to uh, problems with uh, uh, daylight savings time and stuff. So, so Michael figured it out all by himself. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. And so we, we made that and, uh, and we made the connection and here we are. So uh, Michael S. Siever is our guest. He's an author. He's written the book, and I love the title. It's called I Know. <laughs> it is. I think well, I know. Do you know, Kevin? I do now. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm, gaining, I'm gaining insight all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it it's really is interesting. Michael Sievers is our guest, and he's going to be with us for as long as it takes. And uh, you, by the way, can uh, a couple things. First of all, uh, my independence report is growing. It's growing. Did I say it's growing? Uh, we've got over 230 episodes up now, and they are all of this kind of material of people that have uh, been where you may well be, and they are no longer there because now they're here. And some of them even say, I know. It's so simple. <laughs> but in, in any event, um, so I've got 230 of these. Please, I've got a new website coming up. Please uh, go to uh, com and explore it. It'll be great fun for you. And uh, if you'd be so kind as to subscribe to this channel, I'd appreciate it because the whole object of this is to get as many people to know about it as possible because some of the guests that I have are just nothing short of phenomenal. And this is one of those. Uh, this is uh, uh, um, uh, Michael Tellis. First of all, where are you calling from? How did you get so smart to know the difference between daylight savings time and standard time? Well, this this is because where I live in Phoenix, Arizona, we don't change time zones. <laughs> See, that makes it so easy. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so weird. I was driving through Phoenix uh, last year, the year before, and if you go if you go to the border, your the time zone changes, and then you go in a little ways, the time zone changes back. And and so it's it was like really did that happen? Yeah, you know, but it, but it does. So that's that's why uh, Arizona's got such a unique personality to it. It does. It's really a fun place to live. I've been here 17 years, and you know, at some point, I think I'm going to have to leave because there's only so much I can do in the desert. So at some point, I'll have to leave. But the last 17 years have been magical. I feel very blessed. Oh, very cool. Very nice. Tell us talk talk about your book and. Uh, the last two years, which have been really pretty eventful for you. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and thank you, Kevin. It's uh, the book. Uh, I'll put it up here so you can see it, but uh, maybe remove it. It's called I Know, A Practical Guide for Awakening to What's Within and Finding Work-Life Integration. And um, about two years ago, almost uh, to the day here, um, I was at a really tough place in my life where uh, I had left a romantic relationship. My stepdaughter went off to college and uh, kind of empty nesting for the first time in my life at age 38 then, oh, and wow. was was going to invest a little bit into my business and try a few things that I hadn't tried before in my business, only to, over about a three-month period, have them basically fail or not succeed too. And so in May of 2019, you know, I was for the first time in my life without a romantic partner. My stepdaughter was off at college. I was living alone in a pretty small apartment. And then the things that I was attempting to do in my business were not working. And maybe some of those folks that are watching and listening uh, have probably had those experiences or those feelings too. And I finally got so frustrated. Are you? <laughs> so you're one, Kevin. <laughs> I'm one. Yeah. And I, I guess I just kind of got to that place of being so fed up with not understanding why what I perceive to be kind of bad or negative circumstances continue to occur. And I remember lying on my bedroom floor, just bawling and shaking uncontrollably, trying to figure out what was going on. 
And I remember sitting there and for the first time ever in my life at age 38, I really contemplated suicide. Like I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. This is not fun. This is not interesting. No matter what I try, I can't seem to get it right. You know, what's the lesson in all of this? And I don't know why, but for some God or source, whatever reason, my cat, Cleopatra, came over to me and laid on my chest and purred and kept me safe. Do you have any pets, Kevin? I've had pets my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, Cleopatra is just not a very affectionate animal uh, naturally. And so it really surprised me that that she did that. But then as soon as she did that, probably 15 or 30 seconds later, I just heard this voice, you know, kind of come over me and say, it's all going to be okay. Everything is going to work itself out. You're going to learn some tough lessons, but you're going to be able to pay it forward and help other people. And so I spent the vast majority of the summer of 2019 like soul searching and finding myself and reflecting and journaling and doing yoga and all of these things because I was realizing or being taught that we really truly are all one. And I was kind of operating in a, in a see, 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 this is why we're having this conversation, Kevin, is I got to learn the lessons that you've already learned, right? And you know this. <laughs> and so I, I kind of came to that conclusion for myself that we are all one. And I wasn't really expecting the pandemic to occur in 2020, but it was a big blessing in that it allowed me to update my website. It allowed me to write the book. And through that process of reflection, of journaling, of really thinking about things, of connecting the dots, recognizing that we are all one, I was able to come up with what I think is a really good book that helps people move from a place of disengagement or unhappiness or feeling lost, whatever that is for them, to a place of being very clear, being very confident, being very aware of what it means to be authentically them. So it's been a really wild journey and I would have never expected that it could happen the way that it did. But I feel so thankful now that I was able to learn the lessons that I did and become who I am now because the way that I can help people today, I would not have been able to help them this way three years ago. Absolutely. And, and uh, I got to ask you first, when you were lying there on the floor in a ball and you were contemplating suicide, how were you going to do it? I never got to the point of really thinking about that. I just was like thinking about what would the world be like without me? Like, would there be a sadness or would there be something else? Would somebody else step in to take my place? So I never thought about exactly how I would do it. I just thought about the world being devoid of me. You know, there's a there's a there's a movie. Uh, Jimmy Stewart was in it that can tell you all about that. Really? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> it goes I back love it. But, uh, well, and the reason I ask is that, uh, um, not at the same time, but prior to when I was having my, a bit of a meltdown, I actually parked my car on an over ramp, um, and walked to the middle of the bridge to see how far down it was and to see if anybody was going to find me anytime soon. Wow. But then, but then I thought, then I got to thinking to myself and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I hate pain that much. <laughs> I was picturing myself bouncing on the rocks down below by the river, and I wasn't. I wasn't interested. No. But well, thank you for staying, Kevin. <laughs> it's important. It, it is. It really is. And uh, I'm impressed because you know there comes a point in your life. Everybody does when you're alone and things aren't working out, and and especially you. You were. You had the trifecta of crap going on <laughs> well said true <laughs> you had the girlfriend that was no longer there the business that was in trouble and your i apparently your your stepdaughter that you love dearly was also not there yep and so it makes it, it makes it tough it so does there was a moment when was there a moment when somebody said when you heard that voice that said it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. It's going to, it's going to all work out. And did you reach, did you look at the sky and say, I know, <laughs> but it's still hard. Um, for some reason in that moment, I felt kind of washed over with the feelings of, I know, but the, the title and the idea of the book and the things associated with the lessons that I learned didn't come until much later. But there was just that part of me, like I was raised in a really small Christian town in West Michigan. So I had from a very early age been exposed to the idea of spirituality. And so there's always been that little part of my brain or my body or my soul that has been connected to God or source. And I think that there were so many years in my life where I was kind of disconnected from it. 
And that this was like God or source's way of reconnecting me with it in a really powerful way to say, hey, let's spend some more time together so that you can know that all of the answers are already inside you. And sometimes they do that with a stick. Sometimes they do that with a with a pillow. But, <laughs> but some of us require more of a stick than a pillow. <laughs> yeah, there were no carrots kind of hanging out in front of me for something to kind of go to. It was definitely the kick in the butt to get me started. So you get up from there. You, you first of all, you thank the cat, which I thank the cat as well. <laughs> thank you, because um, because I know uh, we have a, I have a, have a friend that uh, has a radio show called Martha Norwalk's Animal World, and she and she says dogs are, are your best friend. Cats have staff. So, <laughs> so you are the cat staff, but at the same time, she didn't want you to go anywhere either. Nope. No, the snacks that I gave her were far too good for her to go without. <laughs> so when you got up from that, what was the first thing that you did? I remember going over and sitting on the couch and the, just kind of sitting there and thinking about and reflecting on all of the challenges and all of the hardships and realizing that in all of them, there was some learning that at the time I couldn't see. And so I kind of was taking that time to reflect, to kind of think back and realizing that there was a learning inside each of those challenges that I, my brain was starting to formulate this idea that I could then teach other people how to overcome that same challenge for themselves. And that's not something I necessarily crashed together before. So when I sat on the couch and those things started to flow to me a little bit more freely, it started to give me just a little bit of purpose. Like some of the things that I went through weren't for no reason, they were defined. They had purpose. There was something I was going to be able to convert them into to help someone else. Which is not that anybody, of course, you know, like needs help because everybody's just like darn near perfect. But uh, it's, it, was, it is one of those things where, where we all, and you've discovered this in the last couple of years, we all walk in a, in a place that can be all, a little dark at times. Yeah. Yep. And how do you help people get out of it? Yeah. You know, I, I've come to know this as the pain to purpose journey. And, and it's, uh, I think of it kind of like Joseph Campbell in the book, a hero with a thousand faces in that, you know, most major motion picture movies are kind of built upon this kind of 16 step process, the what's called the hero's journey, right? This thing that Campbell came up with in his book. And so it, it, for me, it really helps me to take that step back to realize that every single person on the planet goes through various stages of the hero's journey in their own time and in their own way and through their own circumstances in that it's our work is, is that as we get to the rock bottom and we're really struggling, we're really trying to figure out a way to get out of it is that there is some sort of a brighter future, right? There is some sort of a purpose inside that pain that it gives us a new strength, a new resilience and something that we didn't have before that we need in order to continue to up level in our own life. And so I think if people recognize whether you call it the pain to purpose journey, whether you call it, you know, the, the hero's journey, there's any number of things that we could call it. Sometimes I call it be the person you needed when you were younger, right? The things that we didn't have as a youngster, we now become. And I think it's just this recognition that life is just a, a series of cycles that we go through. And in each of them, we learn something new. And then we give or we're given opportunities to be able to help other people overcome that same thing for themselves. How do you teach people to get up off the floor? <laughs> so I, Mel Robbins, have you heard Mel Robbins? Yes. Yeah. And so I got to meet her a couple of years back. Um, I was MC of an event and, and she was one of the keynote speakers at the event. And so when we think about coming up off the floor, some people it's doing the five second rule that Mel Robbins did, right? You can just count from five back to one and just know in your heart that you need to be able to take action, right? So that's one. You know, another person could be that they go to group meetings and they have a lot of discussion. That's a therapist. It's a Reiki master. It's an energy healer, right? Whatever those things are. And the way that another way that could be considered is that when I designed the book, I designed it in basically three phases, right? And in each of those respective phases, there are three processes. And so the first section is about ending and letting go. And so in order to get up off the floor, Right. Number one is we have to process loss. So chapter one in the book is about processing loss. Number two is about overcoming fear. And the third chapter is about emotional release. So anytime that we're in this place of having to end or let go of something, there's going to be loss. Right. We're going to have to confront some sort of a fear and there's going to be some emotional release that we need to do. 
And so if a person wants to use the, the Mel Robbins five second rule, if a person wants to go talk to somebody else, a therapist, a counselor, great. Maybe it's to read the book or listen to my book and go through those kind of the steps that I outline in the first three chapters of the book to just get to a place of ending and letting go who they were because they need to be able to move into kind of an emotional neutral zone to be able to try things and test things and really experiment with something that's interesting to them. So one of those things that's bound to work for those folks that are that are paying attention and listening today, it's just really a matter of you have to shed the old version of yourself in order to walk into a new future really powerfully. It's really, it can be really hard. Now, in my particular story, when uh, my marriage failed, um, so did all my friendships. They all went with her. And so it was a very lonely time because I had my kids and I had responsibilities and my dog and, and all of that. But it, it still was, I didn't have anybody to talk to, which is why a book like you've put together is so vital because someone like me, it's not like I could go down the street and talk to a neighbor because we didn't it. Everybody, literally everybody was gone. Um, and it made it very, very difficult. So getting the book, how do you recommend somebody use your book once they have it? Sure. Yeah. So it's available in ebook. It's available in print. It's available in audiobook if somebody wants to listen to it, because I know there's lots of different learning styles. And so the people that have given me feedback so far, right, it's mid-March right now, and the book was launched January 1st. So the feedback that has come back for me has been that many people are reading through it to just get a taste, right, to just understand the overarching process and how I lay things out in the nine chapters. And then like one route would be, okay, read it, go through it, just understand it and see the big overarching picture of what your life could be. So one route would be is that people, as they're encountering specific examples of challenges or figuring out their personal brand or figuring out how to be a coach, they would go back to those respective chapters to learn something specific and then apply it in the moment on the spot. Now, the other way could be, and I think I'm going to do this in the latter part of April 2021, is launch a series of book clubs because I've had a number of people who are really interested in being able to go through the processes on like an every two week basis, right? They want to be able to experience something for themselves in chapter one, process it, live on it, think about it, you know, integrate it into their lives for two to three or four weeks. And then once they feel safe about integrating that into their experience, they then go to the next chapter. So either of those routes will work. What is really most important is, is that a person is making the time for themselves for reflection, for learning, for actually shedding, for actually welcoming some of those new things into their life. So it, a person really has to be ready to be able to make those changes. And that's probably the hardest part. Now, do you need to have a spiritual background or can you have an a, a, uh, um, agnostic or a Christian background or does it all work the same for people? Yeah. So it the, the I wrote the book really to kind of lean towards um, a business person who was disengaged. And so the vast majority of the text is uh, really easily read by a person who's into business, right? So I use a lot of really basic nomenclature about personal branding or about emotional intelligence or about becoming a coach. So anybody could read it off the shelf pretty simply and easily. There's there's probably that five to 10% of the book that starts to integrate little ideas about what your soul is, how it integrates to the whole, how you're connected to people, how we're all one. So it was really meant to be, here are tried and true processes psychologically that I know can help you through these various challenges. But let me just insert a little idea about something that's a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more ethereal, not to offend any particular religion or person, but to introduce them to the idea of how we are truly all one and we can find ways to connect to one another in that way. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, I ask a lot of people, some people got a reasonable answer. I suspect you'll have a real good one. What is your soul? What is my soul? It's a, it's a fractal. It's a part of God, right? It's this thing. That's a, a very kind of ethereal thing. We can't right now. And with the five human senses, we can't see it. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. We can't do any of those things, but there's, there's some interesting brain research that has come out that they cannot, scientists cannot identify human consciousness or the soul at any part in the brain, right? There's no place in the human brain that those things exist. So it has to be something that's much, much bigger that the human eye can't see that we just are, right? So the, the human soul to me 
right? As something that's separate from the five senses. It's separate from our ego. It's something where we, we're all a piece of God or source, whatever you call it. And we're all connected to and part of each other, right? It's something that's much more energetic in basis, even though we can't see or touch it or smell it today. How come so many people have trouble with that? That's so, <laughs> that, that is so beautiful because from my, from my perspective, we're all energy. We're all coming from the same energy. Yep. It's all connected. We're connected to everything to from, from energy, from uh, uh, nature to each other, to everything. And to say that we are not is in my opinion, blasphemy. Uh, because you can't, I don't know how you make that connection that we are all part of the same, because we're all part of the same thing and we don't treat each other that way, which drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, and I hope that we will, which is why this program exists, which is why you're on this program because it's, I'm, you're, you're making me very happy. With it. <laughs> it is my pleasure, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> So what was the business that you were doing that uh, you tried some new things? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just because Michael tried a few new things and they didn't work out as well as he'd hoped doesn't mean you should stop trying new things. Nope, not at all. No, and I'll answer your first question, then I'll circle back to that because the other question that you were alluding to is pretty darn important too. Um, so when it comes to this idea of spirituality or the oneness of all beings or that we're all kind of energy and that emotion is just energy and motion, you Right. When we read old kind of texts that come out of the, the country of India, we reread about really, really, really interesting things right? that come out of that country. Then whether it's a, a kind of a Hindu approach or whether you go to China and you're looking at kind of a Buddhist or a Confucius approach, there's a much different look or way that we perceive the soul, the body and society in other religions or other belief patterns or structures. But for some reason in Western nations, some of those more ethereal natures of what we are have been excluded from K through 12 education or not necessarily included a whole lot in religious ceremony, things like that. And that's okay. We're moving back to a place where those things are going to become pretty prominent in what it is that we're going to do as a society, right? We're at this really interesting tipping point right now where people are starting to recognize the validity of their own soul and how we are all connected. So the next couple of years on earth are going to be a lot of fun and that we get to go back to those things and understand what they mean. So we, as a, as a species, the, the human race has moved a little bit away from that. Now we're going to move back into it. And I'm glad that through the, the challenges that I had in the latter part of 2018 and the early part of 2019, that I was able to kind of learn that lesson. So to answer your second question, the, the things that I was trying in the, the early part of 2019, and I, I'm glad that you said this, Kevin, because it's really true, is, is that I was trying to do um, in-person workshops that were really high quality content and really high production value. And they ended up converting into online courses on my website. Now at the time, I just wasn't getting sales. I wasn't getting a lot of people to attend the events. And at the time, I really wasn't able to sell the online courses. And I'm not sure why that wasn't happening. It just wasn't. But here we are now, two years later, and it's far simpler for some reason for me to sell the online courses. And, and I can't predict or understand why that occurs or why it's occurring. But for some reason, I put a lot of expectations and a lot of hope on something occurring right at that exact moment at the beginning part of 2019 without kind of trusting the bigger overarching process and realizing that what that specific part of my life was supposed to be was supposed to be content creation, learning, trying to get the message out there and that the message would be really important, not right then, but a couple years later down the road. So I'm glad that I had that learning. And you were still on the ground and you didn't have the 50,000 foot view of what was coming. So it took a great deal of faith to continue doing what you were doing, didn't it? Oh, big time. So, you know, the coaching and providing uh, consulting to organizations about employee engagement, you know, that stuff is pretty consistent over a long period of time. But it was some of those other things that I was trying in my business that were not just working out like the workshops or the online courses. So instead of doing workshops, I do once a month free webinars. Right. And so I do little things that are kind of the same. It's still me sharing information and content. But instead of doing it through the workshop, now I can do it through a complimentary webinar. And so I found other ways to make sure that I was sharing a message broadly, but in a way that didn't necessarily require a lot of back end expense or cost for me. But I still felt like I was able to add value to the people who were engaging it. 
Is you know it's interesting because a lot of folks with the time of COVID have taken the time to step back, and there's a whole new, whole new groups of industry. This being one of them. The uh, the 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 format that I'm using is Streamyard, and I can do things with this that that uh, ten years ago a radio station could not do. Um, so I mean I can be on multiple platforms. Doesn't cost me a great deal of money, um, and I can talk to people like you. And it's it's just amazing where our society and where we're going. And I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of people that are are have gone through COVID. They may have lost somebody or a couple people, and they may have been sequestered in their house for months and months. They've had a lot of reflection time. Yeah. And, and they're tired of binge watching TV. And they're tired of just doing, you know, doing that kind of stuff. They want to, they want to figure out what to do with themselves. Yeah, and I agree. Their life. Yeah, I've, I've certainly have seen it myself, right? The goals that I set up for myself in November of 2019, you know, basically all went out the window mid-March one year ago. And I think we, for March, April, May of, of 2020, each of us was in this place of not knowing what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but we were all afforded an opportunity to kind of come back to the basics and spend time with ourselves, spend time with our families and not have to drive an hour to work each day. And so we we recovered a fair amount of time in our day. And I think that that changed our habits. It changed, in some cases, belief patterns or structures because people didn't think before that that they could change. They were in a routine or a ritual that they enjoyed doing. They thought that that was how it was going to be for a period of time. And so what people learned in the summer of 2020 was is that they were capable of change and that they were actually pretty darn good at it. And so now we're at this place is that their their life was disrupted in the early part of 2020. Summer and fall of 2020, people were starting to really get to a place of authentically understanding themselves and having more time for themselves and realizing that change was okay when it wasn't before. And here we are now, the first quarter of 2021, and each of us is really contemplating okay, the COVID thing might be close to being done. What do I genuinely want to do with my life? Because I now know that I can change and it's safe to change. That, and that's a, a huge lesson for everybody. That's, that's, that's really an, an important moment. So how's the book doing? It's been out since January. Yeah, it, it is by far exceeding my wildest expectations, right? When I was working with my writing coach throughout the summer of 2020, we were doing a bunch of research through Ingram Spark and Findaway Voices and Amazon.com, attempting to figure out like what's the real goal of this, right? And so, you know, the goal traditionally or on average is is that the average book that's published around the world in the first three years only sells one thousand copies. Isn't that sad? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's so many voices that are now being heard. Like, I get it. And so that really, it really made me think through the process differently to say, what is this book and who are those 1000 people? And so the feedback that I've been getting, and so the, the data that I'm getting back, I think I'm just over 500 copies sold today. And that makes me feel like a million bucks, right? So that makes me feel so happy that I've at least reached those people. And I know many more are coming. But the thing that has been more heartwarming to me than anything else has been the direct message that I get on Facebook that says, I read your book and it saved my life, right? Or the the little recommendation or re review that I get on amazon.com to say, here are the key takeaways that I have from the book. Or another message that came back from a friend after she read it and it said, you're one of those people that comes along once in a generation. And all of those things made me feel like it was worth it to invest the time, even if I don't make any money on the book at all, right? Because the investment of time and the investment of money that I have into the book if I never make that back, that's okay, because the impact that those individuals and the things that they said to me made it so completely worth it because the intent of the book was to help people, and that's what it's doing. So I feel like my goal has been accomplished regardless of the number of people that buy it. Couple things, three things actually. First thing is I know I mentioned you mentioned that you have a writing coach. Even the coach has a coach. Yeah. <laughs> that's True. <laughs> so you're smart enough as a coach to figure out that if there's something you don't know that you need to find out about, you need a coach. Totally. Yes. Very important. Everybody should have a coach. Doesn't matter what it's for. I've had, I've had coaches to help me with processes in my business. I've had, you know, traditional counselors and therapists to help me with things that I was struggling with personally. 
But I knew that when it came to this book, that there was so much about book writing that I had no idea about. And for transparency's sake, I'm really introverted and really task-oriented, so I'm sometimes bad at telling stories. So I hired a writing coach who is great at telling stories, like intentionally, right? She is phenomenal. Her name's Laura. She's amazing. And so I'm so thankful that she was able to give me like, okay, here's the overarching structure and content in the book. Here's the material, Michael, your processes and the psychology research that you want to share, but we need to layer in client stories and we need to layer in your story, Michael. And I didn't know how to do that. And so having Laura assist me with those things was an absolute game changer. So there is no shame at all in hiring a coach, right? We pay people for the expertise and the things that they can do for us to help us share our message more broadly. And I'm so thankful I did that. And number two was I, I do this and I do this and for free. I don't do any, run any commercials. We don't do any of that stuff. I do it because somebody needs to hear the message. Yep. Somebody needs to hear you. And then they'll go out and buy the book and take care of it. So for my, I understand exactly where you're coming from, that it's, this is a labor of love. This isn't a labor of finance. Yeah. Well and, and, the, and the third thing is that, that you have the opportunity to help somebody who you will never meet. There is no higher calling than that. Yeah. I, I couldn't say that better than you, Kevin. That's so true. And it is just an amazing thing. I'm and I'm so proud of you. I don't even know you. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of you because you've done yeah. so well. And and people need to go. Michael S. Sievers, our guest, and he's written the book. I know because on the the his guides on high were saying, you know, it's going to be okay. That you're going to be fine. It's like I know, but I'm on the floor and it hurts and I'm crying. So leave me alone. <laughs> Those so. So now where do you see yourself going? What, what is your plan for the future now? Yeah, I think I alluded to it just a few minutes ago in that the feedback that I'm getting, right? Some of the things that I just referenced is that I, I think that I need to come up with uh, some sort of a book club, maybe a few different iterations of that through the remainder of this year uh, to be able to get the book into more hands or to come up with uh, deeper insights about some of the processes and the research that I included in the book because I feel a calling at some point in early 2022 uh, to create like a workbook. And I don't know, depending on how society plays itself out, what I would like to do is to be able to certify other people in the book's processes uh, or in the workbook's processes so that the message can be spread for free wherever it needs to go. And so, you know, I, I can do a lot of things and what it is that I do, but I when it comes down to it, I'm a really big fan of actually being there when when the stuff hits the fan and we all need to be going through some sort of change. And what I want there to be is there to be around the world communities of people who start like uh, I know circles, right? So they have a chance to be able to have somebody close to them where they can talk about the book's processes or they can talk about something challenging that they've been going through and let people know, as we've already talked about, that we are all one, right? You are not alone. And so expanding the reach of the processes so that people can feel that love, care, and support, that matters a ton to me. You know, your story is unfolding very similarly to a gentleman who I had the opportunity to interview and work with way back in the early 2000s. Okay. His story, his story goes, he was sitting on his couch at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he had he was on his third marriage. Things weren't going well. His kids hated him. Uh, the, the life was no good. He just lost his job again. And he's sitting on the couch with this pad and paper. And he's just writing because he liked to write notes to himself. And he's and he wrote a note that said, "What does it take to make this life work?" Hmm. And he got an answer. The answer was, "Do you want an answer to these questions, or are you just venting?" <laughs> That was Neil Donald Walsh, and that was the beginning uh, of conversations with God. And I've interviewed okay. him a couple of times. He's a New York Times bestseller. He had, uh, at one time, he had people all over the world having small community gatherings, like you're talking about, yep. to digest the material that was written in all three of the conversations with God books. I love and that. That is where you're, that's where you're headed. And it is so needed. But unlike in those times, looking back at them, those times were different. 
there's a there's a hunger there's a need i hear that need every day when i talk to people and in the numbers that i'm seeing of people that are listening to the broadcast there's a hunger there's a need for it oh, people yeah. feel lost yep and they need to feel whole again i completely agree and the the way that i have kind of come to think about this and I, I don't know that I'm complete, completely accurate, but it's just the messaging that I'm getting in my meditations. It kind of feels this way is that, and I try to talk about this a little bit in the book, but not too much is that um, earth's uh, magnetic poles shift every 2,165 years. And the energy that shifts on earth as a result of those magnetic pole shifts changes the energy that comes into human bodies. And so right now we are, kind of on the backside of the magnetic pole moving. And so what astrologists have said is that we moved formally at the latter part of 2020 from what was called the age of Pisces. And the age of Pisces for the 2,165 years prior to 2020 was very much about centralized information. It was very much about centralized power, hierarchy, uh, believing in something external to yourself. And so what I believe is happening right now is that we're kind of in a let's say like a 10 year window in that as these magnetic shifts continue to evolve and change, uh, earth and humans are going to be moving into something called the age of Aquarius, which is very much about decentralized power. It's very much about grassroots efforts. It's very much about people, again, knowing that they have the answers inside themselves. And so I think we're in a 10 year window right now that would formally close probably around 2030. And at that point, we would be at a very different place. And so I think what's happening, and I don't know this exactly for sure, but I just, it feels right to me, is that we're at this place where earth is being bombarded with so many different energies that the human body is not aware of or hasn't integrated or hasn't dealt with before. And so what we're doing is we're feeling anxiety, we're feeling stress, we're feeling nervousness at levels that we haven't maybe ever, right, that I'm aware of. So each of us is being confronted with these new energies and it's causing us to feel all these particular things. So we all start to question ourselves. We start to question our job. We start to question our relationships. We start to question our hobbies, like all of these things. So to your point, Kevin, there is a hunger, I think, for self-discovery. And it's all founded in this energetic shift that I think is happening to Earth. I keep on saying to myself, let's see, 10 years, 10, how old would I be in <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I really want to be around for that because I think, I think the next 10 years are going to be really dynamic. And by yep. the way, it's not lost on me that the reason that this, this podcast exists is because in preparation, I, in some ways, I kind of feel like John the Baptist, if you, that, mm -hmm. if you understand that reference, because, because I, I feel like we are on the cusp of something just, it can be wonderful if we embrace it. Yep. It's up to us. Yeah, I think that we're moving to that place and that there's a much more um, widely accepted belief that we deserve more, right? We don't deserve to be in, in debt. We don't deserve to be uh, constantly working for an organization that doesn't align with our core values. Like there's all these things that people are starting to question because they genuinely think that their lives have more value. And if you look at um, Tony Robbins and, and his kind of core needs, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you look at some of the things that um, Carl Jung has done with the four stages of human life, we're at this place where each of the tops of those respective pyramids, it always comes down to basically two things, is that we want self-actualization, right? We want to continue learning. We want to continue growing. We want opportunities to really know ourselves at a deep level. And then when we do that, the second piece and probably the more important piece is, is that after we have self-actualized, self-actualized, we want to then help others do that same thing, right? We have these needs for contribution. And so I think that those needs for self-development and growth, plus the need to contribute to the betterment of others around us is peaking, right? We're getting to that point of it really becoming important to people. I really appreciate the way that you discuss this because you're far more learned and, and have read far more than I do. Uh, mine is of a more simple variety. But uh, you are you're just you're just phenomenal. Um, I, I I know you've worked very hard for a long time to put yourself into this position. Um, where do you see yourself in 2030? Is is retirement on a golf course an option for here? Yeah, yes, sir. It, it is. is. 
Yeah. Yes, sir. It is because you're 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 entitled. Here's here's the other thing is that I and I want you to speak to this. Sure. Because a lot of people will say, "Not okay." I can't say a lot of people. Some there are people <laughs> that would say, "I can't leave my job. I can't. Yeah. I've got this responsibility. I can't do this. Nobody's going to take care of it." I, the, the, you know, I I I believe in the higher power and stuff, but nobody's going to uh, protect me. Nobody's going to take care of me. None of that is really true. If you listen to it, if you listen and follow through on what you're on what your heart is telling you to do yep. Not with your head, but with your heart, speak to that. How do you help yeah. people get in touch with their heart? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's that, you know, in, in 20 years, might I be on a golf course? Yes. You know, might I be flying from country to country to experience the cultures and learning different things about those places? Yes. You know, might I be sitting at a retreat center somewhere, um, you know, somewhere in America, maybe somewhere in Europe and, and helping others as they go through their awakening process. Yes. I mean, all of those things are possible. One of the the authors that I've read recently is um, uh, he passed away, I think, in the early uh, 1950s. But his name is Pramahansa Yogananda, and really, really great, you know, person that came from India to America, started something called the Self Realization Fellowship. And I really admire the path that he took in life because he brought a lot of Eastern teachings to the West, and it really helped me as I was reading his books to kind of come to a level of self awareness that I didn't have before. So if I could emulate his path, right, to be able to teach some of these source or God-given kind of soul-based curriculum, if you will, if I could teach that to a lot of people across the globe, that would make me feel great. So in 20 years, I want to be able to publish a couple more books. Like this one's called I Know. And I feel pretty strongly that the second is going to be called I Belong. And I feel pretty strongly that the third is going to be called I Am. And that it'll be basically a series of processes where I teach people how to get to that point of really understanding what their soul is. And so I think I'll be going through that journey in the next 20 years. But living from a place of our heart is incredibly difficult because the vast majority of society is designed to get you to live with your head. And the the book that was really transformational for me came from Ron and Mary Holnick, and it's called Loyalty to Your Soul. And so the very first step that I would encourage people to kind of take is to come to this agreement for yourself that you are a soul first and a body second. And then after you've come to that agreement, read the whole next book so that you can really thoroughly understand the difference between what your soul came to earth to do and how your ego or your body interacts with the world, right? It's just a vehicle. So if you start to really understand that difference, then you can move into the world in a much more emotionally intelligent or a much more heart-driven way. I love that. I love that. And then, then by the way, go get the book. I know. I just, I'm sorry. I just love the time. <laughs> because, because I picture myself. Um, I have conversations. Okay. Before they come and take me away, I have conversations with the other side. And I will, I will be talking. I will be thinking something. And of course, they don't say anything to me because they don't have vocal cords, which you know, always amazes me. In, in any event, um, but I'll be uh, standing there, and they'll tell me something, and it's like, and it's new for me. So I say, like, I know, but it, you know, it's it's important that we that we follow through and listen to ourselves. Oh, big time! It's it's so hard to do uh, be, because society conditions us that we. Uh, you know, should be selflessly serving other people and that there are specific, you know, behavioral protocols and norms and mores that we're all supposed to follow. And I I live by them, right? I I follow laws, I pay taxes, I do those things. But that doesn't mean that I don't challenge kind of the the mainstream ideology uh, to be able to say, hey, there's more here for you. You didn't come here just to pay bills and die, right? There's something else that you can be doing with your time. And so let's find a way to tap into your heart and really understand your life's work. And so the the second part of my book is really geared towards having a person understand themselves authentically. And the way that I attempt to help them do that is, is that I think that there are kind of five tools that will help them see themselves in a new light. And so if they were to go through the process of understanding themselves through the lens of these five tools, I think what they would be able to do is then write a personal mission statement, or they would know what their top five or six core values are, or they would be able to really say authentically, here is my authority. Here are my strengths. Here are the things that I can best do for the world. And so that's what I really want people to take away 
is to get to this place of understanding the difference of the soul versus the ego. But then once you understand your soul, then go through a process of being able to explore it, right? What are your communication preferences? What are the things that motivate you? What are your core values? What are those challenges you've overcome in life? What are those things that you're great at? How do you pair all those things together into a couple of distinct and succinct statements that allow for you to then make much more aligned decisions down the road? Because that's really the goal, right? It's time management and distribution. But if you know your mission, you know your core values, and then you know the goals that you're focused on, you now know what to say no to. And that's the hardest part in our society is saying no to things. So if we have an opportunity to have a, a guidebook, if you will, about what it is we should be saying no to, I hope that's what people take out of the second section of I know. Where does your passion enter into all of this? That's a that's a key piece that we talk about in chapter four of the book. And, you know, I saw this originally probably about a year and a half ago, and it came from um, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. And it was something along, it was a quote that he had put out, and it was something along the lines of, you do not choose your interests and passions, your interests and passions choose you. That's so true. Right? So the way that I interpreted that was that, and and this is my belief, and I try to talk about this a little bit in the book, is, is that I think that our souls choose our earth school curriculum prior to coming to earth. So we choose as a soul what body we're going to take. And then we choose kind of the curriculum of things that we're going to go through in our life. And so our passion or our interest or the way that we can add the most value, I believe is predetermined prior to birth. And so then, then it's just really this process of kind of passing through what's referred to as the veil of illusion to rediscover what our soul's actual mission and purpose is. Now, thankfully, there's lots of really cool apps that exist nowadays for, uh, you know, things like our phone. Like there's one called The Pattern. There's another one called World Numerology. There's another one called CoStar. And they're the easiest thing that I found that helps us to understand what our curriculum might be in a really easily digestible way. So one of those three apps might be the thing that helps you to understand what your mission or what your purpose or what your learning is meant to be. Did you ever read the book uh, Journey of Souls by uh, Dr. Michael Newton? No, but I will. He is a hypnotherapist. Okay. And I and by the way, you may not have seen this, but I fell out of my chair and picked myself up and put my back in. Because <laughs> what you just said is, okay, he's a hypnotherapist. And, and in the course of his work, he's passed on now, but he's got something called the Newton Institute. And okay. what is they put people into deep hypnosis and they have not only learned how to take people to past lives as a matter of fact on monday afternoon i have a podcast about this uh with regan forston who is a hypnotherapist who works on it and and he and tell you that you go in between lives to the other side where we actually live this is this is where we come to 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 um torture ourselves but <laughs> There's where we actually live, and he's and they will tell you exactly word for word what you just said. We pick our body, we pick our parents, we pick our 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 desires. What are we going to do this time around? How we are going to be better this time than we were last time? How we're going to affect change? Different. It's it's all there, and you just said and haven't even read the damn book. <laughs> <laughs> so. I need to read it. The The one book that I read maybe three or four months ago was by uh, a hypnotherapist psychologist named Brian Weiss. Yes. And similar, right? Very much. Yeah. And so I'll read Newton's because I, I love that stuff. It's really interesting to me. But reading Weiss's work about past life regression, but also future life progression really helped me to understand uh, or even solidify for myself the this kind of belief that our soul does reside in a some other ethereal dimension that in physical human form, we can't yet really understand, um, but we will at some point in the future. But it's just knowing that that the human body has the, the capacity to kind of allow for us to interact on earth, but our soul can do so much more. And the last time I checked, there are 10 dimensions of energy on earth, right? So we can be in any of those dimensions at any point in time. So it's just a matter of recognizing that those things are real and starting to spend more time reading Weiss's work or Newton's work or understanding some of these things at a deeper level. And then you'll start to see how you can be blessed by that knowledge. 
and how it can ab absolutely change your life forever yeah. if you choose it. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, we're talking to Michael S. Seaver, and uh, he's written the book. I know. It's a great. It, I haven't read it yet. I'm going to have to go get it. No, wait a minute. She sent I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you. She sent she sent me a uh, um, uh, an e copy so so I now have to okay. read it. Um, because I, the information that you have in it is is so needed and there are so many of us so many of us that are just we're at our wits end we don't you know the the, the time before I think that down the road we're going to have history books will say um, BC and AC, and that is BC before COVID and after COVID, because I think our our world is going to completely change. Yeah, totally agree. And and we are going to be part of that. And it's so exciting. Yeah, think about that for a second, Kevin, is that um, I don't remember where I read it, but somebody said to me something to the effect of is that all the souls that chose to come to Earth right now for this transition chose to come here knowing that it was going to be more emotionally challenging than other times in human history, and that they did so with the express intent of going through the challenges and be able, being able to ascend in spirit form far faster, like they did it intentionally. And when I thought about that, I was like, okay, I get that because what it is that we're experiencing on earth right now is really challenging. And a lot of people are given the opportunity to really grow in a spiritual sense through this, if they choose to. And so people like you and I just happen to be the ones that really want to grow through it. See, and that's the difference between you and I, you have got a much, a much more uh, uh, positive approach see, I thought we had so many people here because of indoor plumbing, but <laughs> apparently that's not correct. <laughs> I mean, maybe for a few folks, maybe I can go potty in the house. Now that's really cool. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> in any event, I, I, will you come back at one point in time? I want to keep you would like, I would love to come and talk to you again, Kevin. This has been awesome. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. By the way, Michael uh, S. Seaver is our guest. He's written the book. I know what's the rest of the title. It is a, a practical guide for awakening. Let me see if I can get it there. Practical guide for awakening to what's within and finding work life integration. There's a workbook coming. There's a second. I love the trilogy. I think you have to write the trilogy. Okay, uh, now I'm going to do it just for you. I pre <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does anything just for me. Just a <laughs> Yet, Kevin, I got your back. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I, I really do. And, you know, I do have to say, when I played the opening um, and you listened to the opening, I think it was the first time you've probably heard it. Uh, you appreciated what, what it is. And I'm actually having T-shirts made. That awesome. one, is, one is called heal your shit, excuse the expression. <laughs> and, and, the, and the other one is called, um, 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 I forgot what it's called. No, it's my, my tagline, which is, uh, I forgot that too. You have me so thoroughly. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are getting, getting rid of hate, division, and fear, something like yes, that. Yes, I love that. And so when you do design those shirts, like I will definitely be one of the first people in line to buy them. Um, I, I do things a bit differently when it comes to clothing in that, although I look relatively nice and put together today for you, Kevin, I have a bunch of hats that have my name on top. I buy cool. t-shirts that have words on the front, like do better or be grateful or words are more important than actions. So I feel very prideful in being able to walk around wearing clothing that represents a specific message. And so when you go live with that stuff, I promise I'll be one of the first people online to get one because I love wearing that type of clothing. You are a walking billboard. That's a <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. Michael <laughs> Siever has been our guest. And uh, I always I give you the, a moment to take your soapbox out and to tell my audience anything from your heart that you'd like them to know. The thing that is is coming to me is a, a couple of things, and, and you say it really well in the opening, but also on the website, um, we are all one. And I think the thing that I did in May of 2019 when I was really contemplating suicide and really kind of questioning myself and life and society and what it all means is, is that at that point in time, I tried to do it alone. 
And I, I kind of look back on those moments and uh, it, it taught me an important lesson, right? God's source caught me, taught me an important lesson that we really truly are all one. And so for those folks watching and listening today, it's really important that you not do it alone, is that you find somebody close to you that can help you express yourself in whatever way you need to express yourself. And I guess the more that I've had thousands and thousands of hours of coaching other people from a communications or a business kind of context, there's always discussion about things that are emotional, that are personal, that are a bit more ethereal. And I found this pattern, and I said it earlier in the show, which is be the person you needed when you were younger. And so whenever you think about that despair or that disappointment or that wonderment about who it is that you are or what it is that you're doing here, take a second, think back to those younger years in your life and think about the pattern of challenges that you went through, whatever they were, right? Mine was as I was a robot in my family's kind of landscaping and lawn maintenance company. I was never really allowed to express myself. I just had to do what my grandpa or my dad said. But then and when I was 28, so and now it's 2008, I was given a coach when I was getting my MBA and the coach helped me to understand who I was authentically. So I was a robot when I was young, not allowed to be authentic. When I was 28, 29, 30, I was taught a process for how to become authentic. Now from basically age 30 until about age 50, my life's work is going to be about helping others become the most authentic versions of themselves possible. So I want everybody to remember, don't do it alone. And if you want to find your tribe of people, just think back to those three steps. Challenge, how'd you overcome the challenge? Who can you help overcome the challenge? And when you do that, you be the person you needed when you were younger. It is an absolute game changer because not only are you helping someone else who genuinely needs it, but you're also in this place of healing yourself. And all of the wounds and the challenges that you had as a youngster, they start to heal because you see that it wasn't for nothing. It actually had purpose. And now you can help others overcome the same challenges that you did as a youngster. So don't do it alone. Be the person you needed when you were younger. I feel drawn to say this. If you're listening to this broadcast and if you haven't gotten the book, I know, get the book. And then after you've read the book and digested it, talk to Michael and set up a, a uh, group in your community. Because for every place on the planet, we need people who can help other people and uh, do do some sort of you can do it on um, meet up or whatever and and put a group together. And, and I know is the best way to, you know, and uh, but but do that if you feel so inclined, if you feel driven, if you feel passionate about helping other people, that's this is a great way to do it, I think. And I appreciate you. appreciate you saying that, sir, because it's, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, so much for that, for the support and and for, you know, being called to say that or to feel that, you know, the, the universe is always communicating through us to the people that need to hear us. So for those folks watching and listening, right, you know, Kevin's message is an important one, right? Re regardless of what the, the message is or was in that particular moment, everything comes to us at the exact perfect time. So thank you for being you, Kevin, and thank you for sharing the message the way that you do. Somebody is going to pick up your book because they're 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 sitting there going, I've got all this stuff. I've got this passion to help people and I really want to do it. Go pick up the book and then you can you can form your own community around the principles that are within it. Understand that we are all one that we can help each other and yeah. you will be amazed at the impact it has on your life even if you don't become, you know, like Bill Gates. Um, none of that. And you know, the cool thing is Michael, none of that matters. If, if, if you make a difference in somebody else's life, none of it matters. So true. Tell you a quick story. Okay. When, when I was doing uh, uh radio the first time I was doing a show called positive talk, which was two hours a day, five days a week in the Seattle market. This is 2003. And this, this is where I got whatever skills I got. I got from there. And on the, but on the last day, I had to terminate it because I ran out of money. Hmm. Couldn't afford to do it anymore, and I couldn't get the advertising and yada yada yada. And uh, so everybody was very upset that day. The phone lines filled up, and um, I get a call from a gal by the name of Nancy. She said she's on Bainbridge Island. She goes, hmm. "Evan, I can't believe you're leaving." And I explained it all and stuff. And she said, "Well, let me tell you what impact you've had on our lives." I'm an Alzheimer's caregiver for a gal by the name of Carol. She listens to you every day. 
nobody else seems to be able to get through to her except for you. She loves the way you laugh. She loves the way that you that you play. And what that taught me was it's important. Even if you think nobody's watching, people are watching. You can have an impact that you may never know who they were, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You'll meet them eventually. Yeah. You know, so I, I Michael, I want to thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. It, it, it all acts do impact. Like we don't always think it or know it, or maybe it takes years for the, 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 the results or the impact to be shared with us. Um, but all acts do impact, even if we never know that they were impactful. So thank you, Kevin, for having me on your show. And you know, the cool thing is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because if you trust that everything that you do has an impact and a positive impact, if you work to make it that way, it will. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to know about it because you will sooner or later. You will yeah. later, <laughs> later on. If you don't have to know about it today. Michael S. Siever has been our guest. Get the book. I know it's uh, been out since January. It's selling like hotcakes. So get yours. Get yours. You can pick it up at Amazon and everywhere, right? Yep. You can. Yep. Yeah. Very good. If you'll stay with me for just a second, sir, I'm going to close out and then I'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we got. See you next time on My Independence Report.